Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. And we are happy to have you along on this journey today. We absolutely are. As always, I look forward to this time. If you are brand new to us or brand new to the Bible, welcome. We are happy to have you along here. There's no degree required for what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. Just join along, hear what the Bible has to say in a little different way. The message version is just a paraphrase of the Bible, and it opens up just a little different context sometimes for some verses, and it's really been eye-opening for us, and it's also helped some other people, and we enjoy being along on that ride. Absolutely. I can promise you this reading through the Bible is probably unlike most any other reading you've likely heard before. So tell a friend, have them join in on the crazy, and we Mm -hmm. will make sure that the crazy train tries to stay on the tracks. I'm getting a, I am getting a sound effect for that. Perfect. (laughs) Every time I make a sound effect, he's like, oh, I'm going to get a sound effect. And like, oh, took that one away from me That's right. You just sit over there and look pretty. I'll take care of the sound effects. I'm so glad we're on, we're audio and. That's right. We both have a face for radio this morning. Mm-hmm. It's a little early, but we are committed and we are getting this done. It's not too early. I'm ready to go. Are you? You ready mm-hmm. to rock and roll? I am. I'm Matthew's waiting. Well, let's uh, invite God into this space and yes. let's get rocking and rolling. So, Father God, thanks for just being awesome today. We love that you have been in every single page that we have read Mm -hmm. and you have shown a little bit of your personality, a little bit of your heart and just shown this is my creation and how you want things. And we are just blessed to be a part of that. We are blessed to be able to read these words and invite people into that space where they can learn just a little bit more about you. I just pray, God, that you just make these words come alive in a way that they fill those places in whoever is listening that need to be filled by you today. I know there's always something in every reading that is exactly what somebody needed to hear. So thanks for being there right with us where two or more are gathered. We say that quite a bit. You are there also, but it's the truth. And so thank you for giving us that promise. It's comforting all the time. All the time. It means God is in the house today. He's in the house. We're raising the roof with some Jesus. So mm-hmm. I ask this all in your holy name. I pray, amen. Amen. So wife. Husband. You, <laughs> you are starting out in Matthew today. I am. We're going to finish out chapter 11. I like the heading of this. It's called the unforced rhythms of grace. Hmm. I don't know what it is about that, but I absolutely love the wording of that. It's not forced. It's an easy, natural flow of grace. So let's get into it. Matthew 11, we're starting at verse 20. Next, Jesus unleashed on the cities where he had worked the hardest, but whose people had responded the least, shrugging their shoulders and going their own way. Doom to you, Chorazin, Doom, Bethsaida, if Tyre and Sidon had seen half of the powerful miracles you have seen, they would have been on their knees in a minute. At Judgment Day, they'll get off easy compared to you. In Capernaum, with all your peacock strutting, you are going to end up in the abyss. 
If the people of Sodom had had your chances, the city would still be around. At Judgment Day, they'll get off easy compared to you. That is some harsh, He's letting you know, you have the knowledge, you have the information, and Mm. you're choosing not to do something with it, and you're going to be judged on that. These other people in this city of Sodom, they didn't have that same information. They didn't have, and so they're going to be judged differently. And look how they were judged. Fire from heaven fell on Sodom and destroyed it. And that's considered easier than the judgment that these people... Who knew if, wow, be on the right side of things, please. I want all of you going to heaven with me. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Oh, I love that. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation, coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I think this is is one of my most favorite passages in the Bible right now. There is such a beautiful gentleness. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Because sometimes what religion does as a disservice to Jesus is pack on all sorts of rules, regulations, got to jump through this hoop, got to jump through that hoop. And these are all things that just aren't in the Bible. They don't matter. And it doesn't matter in the big scheme of things. So um, it's kind of like that verse that we read a few chapters ago where he was talking about, don't weigh people down with all Mm -hmm. sorts of regulations and, you know, just keep it simple. I love that God put it in my head yesterday, and I'm pretty sure it was yesterday. Being a Christian is a verb, Mm. not a noun. And I don't know where that came from. That's not how my brain usually thinks, but it really impacted me into taking my head from saying, I'm taking this label and I am this. No, I do this right. because I am. Right. It's a verb. It's an action. And that's what it's supposed to be about. If we as Christians are just nouns, we're doing it wrong. We have to be verbs. We have to get out and do. And I think sometimes you can see churches 
that are nouns and churches that are verbs. And Mm -hmm. that's part of what drew us to our church. Oh, our church is verbish. (laughs) Yeah, they very much like we commented to each other right away like, whoa, they are really active in the community. Mm -hmm. Like, how cool is that? And with people that may or may not ever come to our church. It doesn't matter to them. It doesn't matter. To be present when we have a big thing in the summertime, right? Like out at this park and just be there to give haircuts to people. I mean, that that needed them. I mean, families were showing up Mm -hmm. that couldn't... A whole carnival. I mean, inflatables in the carnival games and nothing costs anybody anything. And it's supported by an outpouring of love from the people I go to church with. And it is beautiful what they have done in this community. And guess what? They didn't even make people memorize Bible verses in da, order to I get help. I didn't know that. I'm taking back everything oh. I said. It's not good. There's got to be some... <laughs> no, just kidding. It is to see the people come and we get to be verbs. Yes. Because all we have to do is just love and show kindness and generosity. Now, I'll be picking up in Acts, and we're reading Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 40. It'll be the end of the chapter. As always, the text will be written down below if you're following along in your favorite translation. One day, on our way to the place of prayer, a slave girl ran into us. She was a psychic, and with her fortune-telling, made a lot of money for the people who owned her. She started following Paul around, calling everyone's attention to us by yelling out, These men are working for the Most High God. They're laying out the road of salvation for you. She did this for a number of days until Paul, finally fed up with her, turned and commanded the spirit that possessed her out. In the name of Jesus Christ, get out of her. And it was gone, just Mm. like that. When her owners saw that the lucrative little business was suddenly bankrupt, they went after Paul and Silas, roughed them up, and dragged them to the market square. Because they threw out a A, possessed... Well, you can see that these people were much more concerned with... Money. ...the money than they were with that little girl's soul. Then the police arrested them and pulled them into court with the accusation, these men are disturbing the peace. Dangerous Jewish agitators subverting our Roman law and order. By this time, the crowd had turned into a restless mob Mm. out for blood. The judges went along with the mob, had Paul and Silas's clothes ripped off and ordered a public beating. After beating them black and blue, they threw them into jail, telling the jailkeeper to put them under heavy guard so that there would be no chance of escape. He did just that threw them into the maximum security cell in the jail and clamped leg irons on them. Along about midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer, singing a robust hymn to God. <laughs> Can you just imagine? <laughs> we're, we're deep in the bowels of the oh. worst part of jail, but let's just pray and robustly sing. Well, we have a midnight, uh, you know, it was, it was a, a common occurrence when I was in prison to have a midnight hymn sing. <laughs> <laughs> I... So, you know, I, I, I can never, see it. I never know what's going to come oh. out of your mouth sometimes. <laughs> oh, you! I never told you I, about the midnight no. hymn sings? Oh. No, I, oh. I have some doubts. 
So along about midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn to God. The other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. Then, without warning, a huge earthquake. The jailhouse tottered, every door flew open, and all of the prisoners were loose. Startled from sleep, the jailer saw all the doors swinging loose on their hinges. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he pulled out his sword and was about to do himself in, figuring he was as good as dead anyway. But then Paul stopped him. Don't do that. We are all still here. Nobody's run away. The jailer got a torch and ran inside. Badly shaken, he collapsed in front of Paul and Silas. He led them out of the jail and asked, Sirs, what do I have to do to be saved, to really live? They said, put your trust in the master Jesus, and then you'll live as you were meant to live, and everyone in your house included. Can I just say mm. that what made him see God in Jesus was the fact that they behaved differently mm. in the world, and that's what set them apart. Mm. And it impacts me that people watch us in our actions and choices that we may make that may not make sense in that moment is what people are going to notice and because they're going to want to know. everything in you is telling Paul and Do Silas, just run, know? the door is open, go. I know. I know. But because they didn't, this jailer was so affected and yes. saw there is something different about these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They went on to spell out in detail the story of the master. The entire family got in on this part. They never did go to bed that night. Mm. The jailer made them feel at home. He dressed their wounds, and then, he couldn't wait until morning, was baptized. Oh. He and everyone mm -hmm. in his family. There in his home, he had food set out for a festival meal. It was a night to remember. He and his entire family had put their trust in God. Everyone in the house was in on the celebration. Mm -hmm. At daybreak... The court judges sent officers with the instructions, release these men. The jailer gave Paul the message. The judges sent word that you're free to go, on your way. Congratulations. Go in peace. They needed to be in that jail because there's a jailer that needed salvation. Mm. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. man. But Paul wouldn't budge. Ooh. He told the officers, they beat us up in public and threw us in jail. Roman citizens in good standing. And now they want to get us out of the way, on the sly, without anyone knowing? Nothing doing. If they want us out of here, let them come themselves and lead us out in broad daylight. Do you think Silas was like, um, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> they just hey, uh, bro, like they just told us we can go. Like, what are you dragging your feet for? <laughs> When the officers reported this, the judges panicked. They had no idea that Paul and Silas were Roman mm. citizens. They hurried over and apologized, personally escorted wow. them from the jail, and then asked them if they wouldn't please leave the city. <laughs> Walking out of the jail, Paul and Silas went straight to Lydia's house, saw their friends again, encouraged them in the faith, and only then went on their way. Man bold in their faith absolutely bold in their faith and paul while that seemed odd and crazy in that 
again, he was absolutely right. And he still, he wasn't willing to do that because Mm -hmm. no, wrong is wrong. This isn't proper procedure. It's not how we do it. We're going to do this right. And being a Roman citizen back in that day had rights and privileges. What happened was wrong. It was wrong. I mean, it's wrong anyways, but it was wrong. It was wronger. Rough. Or according to the law, it's not as fun as wronger, but um, as a citizen, they were not to be treated as such. So it's Paul. He's a that's right. He he knew when to play that card. The Paul card. Yeah, the Paul card. And now for everybody's favorite part, we are rewinding back to the Old Testament, and Heidi will be picking up here with Psalm chapter 26. I'm so excited. Get your Kleenex. I know, I know. It's just, it's been a couple good days and some really great meetings, and God is good, and I can't wait to see what he says to me in the Psalms today. Psalm 26. Clear my name, God. I've kept an honest shop. I've thrown in my lot with you, God, and I'm not budging. And right out of the gate, thank you for your words to me, God. Examine me, God, from head to foot. Order your battery of tests. Make sure I'm fit inside and out so I never lose sight of your love, but keep in step with you, never missing a beat. I don't hang out with tricksters. I don't pal around with thugs. I hate that pack of gangsters. I don't deal with double dealers. I scrub my hands with purest soap, then join hands with the others in the great circle, dancing around your altar, God, singing God songs at the top of my lungs, telling God stories. God, I love living with you. Your house glows with your glory. When it's time for spring cleaning, don't sweep me out with the quacks and the crooks, men with bags of dirty tricks, women with purses stuffed with bribe money. You know I've been above board with you. Now be above board with me. I'm on the level with you, God. I bless you every chance I get. I love David's boldness. And I love the instruction in showing us how to boldly go to God and speak to God and claim what God has given. God wants us to do that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm I got we a got leaking. Teary. Yeah. I, I started leaking just really at verse verse one. And I think it's that last thing because it's so true. Actually it's the very first words and then the end. Clear my name, God. I've kept an honest shop. I've thrown in my lot with you, God. And I'm not budging. We're not budging. I'm not. (laughs) I am not. We are all in with some Jesus. I am not letting go of this Jesus. I'm, I'm never letting go. Now, guess what we get to do today? What do we get to do? In Exodus, we're going to bound, we're going to go all the way back to Exodus now, and we're going to pick up, and today starts. Ooh, do we get The plagues. Yes. So if you are ready to hear about some plagues, but there is a pause real quick that I'm going to read before I read this, just to kind of give some context to what's going on in Israel, what's happening in Egypt. 
and so like some plague preparation plague preparation so this is what eugene peterson had to say about the 10 plagues so after 430 years in egypt the memories of abraham isaac jacob and joseph would have been all but obliterated under these conditions it's difficult to comprehend what god was doing or even if he was doing anything at all so how was Moses to rip the veneer off of all of this power, majesty, beauty, and success, exposing it as evil, so that when he led God's people out of Egypt, they wouldn't carry their Egyptian experience with them for the rest of their lives, mm -hmm. and then simply reproduce that reality when they arrived in the promised mm -hmm. land? This is where the 10 plagues come in. They were an elaborate exorcism a casting out of demons, so to speak, that freed the Hebrews from domination by evil so that they would be able to hear and follow and worship God. The context part I wanted to put in here is think about, for just a quick second, us here in America. We landed here somewhere around the 1600s, and right now it's in the 2000s. So it's about 400 years. Oh. So, how much do you really know about George Washington or your, Yeah, let's just say how much do you know about your great 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 grandfather? Anything? Anything? Do you even know who they are? Exactly. So to put that into context, like we think, well, how could you not know about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob? Jacob. And everybody everybody knows, about knows them. But when you put that into context, like I barely know some of my relatives from the late 1800s. And that's just a hundred or so years yeah. ago. It's like, I know my great grandmother's name and I have a picture of her. So I have a visual. I don't know her. I know right. nothing about you her. You didn't know it what her passions were. She you doesn't didn't know cross where her heart my mind was. unless I happen to stumble across that picture. Right. So now we're getting into some plagues. So I'll be starting out in... Exodus chapter 7 and reading through chapter 9. God said to Moses, Look at me. I'll make you as a god to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to speak everything that I command you, and your brother Aaron will tell it to Pharaoh. Then he will release the Israelites from his land. At the same time, I'm going to put Pharaoh's back up and follow it up by filling Egypt with signs and wonders. Pharaoh is not going to listen to you, but I will have my way against Egypt and bring out my soldiers, my people, the Israelites, from Egypt by mighty acts of judgment. The Egyptians will realize that I am God when I step in and take the Israelites out of their country. Moses and Aaron did exactly what God commanded. Moses was 80 and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. How would we all like to get that new job at 80 and 83 years it's, old? It's interesting though. Like I've up until that point, I've mm -hmm. always had it in my head that Aaron was like this younger kid brother, kid brother sidekick <laughs> that's just tagging along and, and doing all the talking, but he was actually older. three years older. So interesting. I didn't, I don't picture them as being in their 80s either. I mm. think I imagine like these men in their late 20s or 30s, like these young, they're not. It's like, you know, <laughs> grandpas are coming to get you out of here. Right. So. Well, then God spoke to Moses and Aaron. He said, when Pharaoh speaks to you and says, prove yourselves, perform a miracle, 
Then tell Aaron, take your staff and throw it down in front of Pharaoh. It will turn into a snake. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did what God commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his servants, and it turned into a snake. Pharaoh called in his wise men and sorcerers. The magicians of Egypt did the same thing by their spells. Each man threw down his staff, and they all turned into snakes. But then Aaron's staff swallowed their staffs. Yet Pharaoh was as stubborn as ever. He wouldn't listen to them, just as God had said. Strike one. God said to Moses, Pharaoh is a stubborn man. He refuses to release the people. First thing in the morning, go and meet Pharaoh as he goes down to the river. At the shore of the Nile, take the staff that turned into a snake and say to him, God, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you with this message. Release my people so that they can worship me in the wilderness. So far, you haven't listened. This is how you'll know that I am God. I'm going to take this staff that I'm holding and strike the Nile River water. The water will turn to blood. The fish in the Nile will die. The Nile will stink. And the Egyptians won't be able to drink the Nile water. God said to Moses, Tell Aaron, take your staff and wave it over the waters of Egypt, over its rivers, canals, its ponds, all of its bodies of water, so that they turn to blood. There will be blood everywhere in Egypt, even in the pots and pans. Moses and Aaron did exactly as God commanded them. Aaron raised his staff and hit the water in the Nile with Pharaoh and his servants watching. All of the water in the Nile turned into blood. The fish in the Nile died, the Nile stank, and the Egyptians couldn't drink the Nile water. The blood was everywhere in Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same thing with their incantations. How did they make more blood? That's what I'm. Was there water left that wasn't blood? That's very odd. Anyway, still, Pharaoh remained stubborn. He wouldn't listen to them as God had said. He spun around and went home never giving it a second thought. But all of the Egyptians had to dig inland from the river for water because they couldn't drink the Nile water. Seven days went by after God had struck the Nile. They had animals that needed to drink, people that needed to drink. And that was a main water source for them there. Well, it was even saying the water in their pots at home turned to blood. Yeah. So that meant even if they had reserved water at home, it was useless. Yeah. Strike two. God said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him God's message. Release my people so that they can worship me. If you refuse to release them, I'm warning you, I'll hit the whole country with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs. They'll come up into your houses, into your bedrooms, and into your beds, into your servants' quarters, among the people, into your ovens and pots and pans. They will be all over you, all over everyone, frogs everywhere, on and in everything. God said to Moses, tell Aaron, wave your staff over the rivers and canals and ponds, bring up frogs on the land of Egypt. 
Aaron stretched his staff over the waters of Egypt, and a mob of frogs came up and covered the oh, country. At least there were no bugs. Well, I mean, they had frog legs for days, though. Ugh. I mean, that's good eating. Well, do you want to be sleeping in a swarming pile of riveting, I can, I can see frogs? where that would be a little uncomfortable. I'm disturbed by the idea of it. I'm very glad I was not in a frog infestation. I can see where that would probably hinder a midnight... Walking. Well, I was going to say a midnight hymn sing. All that croaking. It would be a little... Oh, yeah. I hadn't even thought of the noise of it. Oh, the noise would be bad. I had never thought of that. But then again, the magicians did the same thing using their incantations. They also produced <laughs> frogs in Egypt. Do you think people we're impressed here's, with more frogs. Here's what I love. God brings a whole bunch of frogs, and then these magicians multiply what God did. So it's like even worse for the Egyptians. So it's like a one-two punch, but the the two punch is more like a slap because it's just insulting. It's like, you're our people, and you're making things worse. I, I have to prove that I can do this. So. <laughs> oh, man. Pharaoh called in Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to God to rid us of these frogs. I'll release the people so that they can make their sacrifices and worship God. Moses said to Pharaoh, Certainly. Set the time. When do you want the frogs out of here, away from your servants and people and out of your houses? You'll be rid of frogs except for those in the Nile. Make it tomorrow. Moses said, Tomorrow it is. So you'll realize that there is no God like our God. The frogs will be gone. You and your houses and your servants and your people, free of frogs. The only frogs left will be the ones in the Nile. Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, and Moses prayed to God about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh. God responded to Moses' prayer. The frogs died off. Houses, courtyards, fields, all free of frogs. They piled the frogs in heaps. The country reeked of dead frogs. But when Pharaoh saw that he had some breathing room, he got stubborn again and wouldn't listen to Moses and Aaron, just as God had said. That reminded me of you sharing with me what it was like in Florida with all the fish from Ugh. that hurricane and the stench. So, yeah, no, it was bad. I, I was recently, a few months ago, I went to Fort Myers, and I was right there in where Hurricane Ian was. And man, it there was just fish all up on one side of the building. There was, you could just tell there was dead animals everywhere. Just, there was a smell. A the smell of death. Awful. Strike number three. Uh-oh. God said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff and strike the dust. The dust will turn into gnats all over Egypt. Misery. He did it. Aaron grabbed his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and it turned into gnats, gnats all over people and animals. All the dust of the earth turned into gnats, gnats everywhere in Egypt. The magicians tried to produce gnats with their spells, but this time they couldn't do it. There were gnats everywhere, all over people and animals. I can imagine the Egyptian people saying, thank goodness you weren't able to produce gnats. I know, thank you. <laughs> The magician said to Pharaoh, this is God's doing. But Pharaoh was stubborn and wouldn't listen, just as God had said. Mm. Strike four. God said to Moses, get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes down to the water. Tell him God's message. 
Release my people so that they can worship me. If you don't release my people, I'll release swarms of flies on you, your servants, your people, and your homes. The homes of the Egyptians and even under the ground, under their feet, will be thick with Ugh. flies. But when it happens, I'll set Goshen, where my people live, aside as a sanctuary. Mm. No flies in Goshen. That will show you that I am God in this land. I will make a sharp distinction between your people and mine. This sign will occur tomorrow. That means God allowed the prior plagues mm -hmm. to affect his people also. Mm. And I think he needed to get their attention mm. and make them turn their eyes to God. And now he's saying, I'm going to show you that yeah, you're my people. Gonna, yes. And God did just that. Thick swarms of flies in Pharaoh's palace and the houses of his servants all over Egypt, the country ruined mm. by flies. Pharaoh called in Moses and Aaron and said, Go ahead, sacrifice to your God, but do it here in this country. Moses said, That would not be wise. What we sacrifice to our God would give great offense to Egyptians. If we openly sacrifice what is so deeply offensive to Egyptians, they'll kill us. Let us go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to our God, just as he instructed us. Pharaoh said, All right, I'll release you to go and sacrifice to your God in the wilderness. Only don't go too far. Now pray for me. Moses said, As soon as I leave here, I will pray to God that tomorrow the flies will leave Pharaoh, his servants, and his people. But don't play games with us and change your mind about releasing us to sacrifice to God. Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to God. God did what Moses asked. He got rid of the flies from Pharaoh and his servants and his people. There wasn't a fly left. But Pharaoh became stubborn once again and wouldn't release his people. Strike five. God said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and tell him, God, the God of the Hebrews, says, Release my people so that they can worship me. If you refuse to release them and continue to hold on to them, I'm giving you fair warning. God will come down hard on your livestock out in the fields, horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, striking them down with a severe disease. God will draw a sharp line between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. Not one animal that belongs to the Israelites will die. Then God set the time. Tomorrow, God will do this thing. And the next day, God did it. All the livestock of Egypt died, but not one animal out of the Israelites died. All of it. Pharaoh sent men to find out what had happened, and there it was. None of the livestock of the Israelites had died, not one death. But Pharaoh stayed stubborn. He wouldn't release the people. Strike number six. Mm. God said to Moses and Aaron, Take fistfuls of soot from a furnace and have Moses throw it into the air right before Pharaoh's eyes. It will become a film of fine dust all over Egypt and cause sores an eruption of boils on people and animals mm. throughout Egypt. They took soot from a furnace, stood in front of Pharaoh, and threw it up into the air. It caused boils to erupt on people and animals. 
The Egyptians weren't able to compete with Moses this time because of the boils. They were covered with boils just like everyone else in Egypt. God hardened Pharaoh in his stubbornness. He wouldn't listen, just as God had said to Moses. They are miserable at this time. I'm just going to say, I mean, boils and animals are all dead. They're, I mean, yeah, flies and frogs. And, meaning their food source yeah, animals were gone. gone. Their transportation animals and their food source animals. Yeah, because everything was done with animal help. Mm-hmm. You've got oxen pulling stuff and the field yeah, labor. Donkeys, and camels, horses. Strike seven. God said to Moses, get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh. Tell him, God, the God of the Hebrews says, release my people so that they can worship me. This time, I'm going to strike you and your servants and your people with the full force of my power so that you'll get it into your head that there's no one like me anywhere in all the earth. You know that by now, I could have struck you and your people with deadly disease and there would be nothing left of you, not a trace. But for one reason only, I've kept you on your feet, to make you recognize my power so that my reputation spreads in all the earth. You are still building yourself up at my people's expense. You are not letting them go. So here's what's going to happen. At this time tomorrow, I'm sending a terrific hailstorm. There has never been a storm like this in Egypt from the day of its founding until now. So get your livestock under roof, if there are any alive. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So get your livestock under roof. Everything exposed in the open fields, people and animals will die when the hail comes down. Wow. All of Pharaoh's servants who had respect for God's word got their workers and animals under cover as fast as they could. But those who didn't take God's word seriously left their workers and animals out in the field. Oh. God said to Moses, stretch your hands out to the skies, signal the hail to fall all over Egypt on people and animals and crops exposed in the fields of mm -hmm. Egypt. Moses lifted his staff to the skies and God sent cracks of thunder and hail shot through with lightning strikes. God rained hail down on the land of Egypt. The hail came, hail and lightning, a fierce hailstorm. There had been nothing like it in Egypt in its entire history. The hail hit hard all over Egypt. Everything exposed out in the fields, people, animals, crops, was smashed. Even the trees in the fields were shattered. Except for Goshen, where the Israelites lived, there was no hail in Goshen. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. He said, I've sinned for sure this time. God is in the right and I and my people are in the wrong. Pray to God. We've had enough of God's thunder and hail. I'll let you go. The sooner you're out of here, the better. Moses said, as soon as I'm out of the city, I'll stretch out my arms to God. The thunder will stop and the hail end so that you'll know that the land is God's land. Still, I know that you and your servants have no respect for God. The flax and the barley were ruined, for they were just ripening. But the wheat and the spelt weren't hurt. They ripen later. That's an interesting little uh, verse there, right, verse 31 right. and 32. 
Moses left Pharaoh and the city and stretched out his arms to God. The thunder and hail stopped. The storm cleared. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and thunder had stopped, he kept right on sinning, stubborn as ever, both he and his servants. Pharaoh's heart turned rock hard. He refused to release the Israelites as God had ordered through Moses. And friends, that's the end of chapter 9. Yeah, that was the first plague that resulted in human death. It mm. caused the death of humans. There's anybody left out in the fields. And then you think also there are people that lived in tents. That storm was so bad. If you were in a tent, you died. If you weren't physically in a home inside. In a cave. Right. So yeah. people absolutely died and not only had they lost their food animals they lost crops there was as it says some mm -hmm. food left and is that god showing i do i am a god of grace and mercy i'm not going to starve everybody here there was a future hope for something yeah, I, I, don't, don't know. I don't know you know either. what what was that i think it's great though like we got uh seven of the plagues done mm -hmm. and it just shows progressively but man for pharaoh to just say at the end of each one like eh, no i think i'm changing my mind yeah i just wanted it to stop like it had to have been bad how hard does your heart have to be against god to see all of these things happening and to still say no, I'm going against that. Imagine what this country looked like. Yeah. It was decimated and it was gross and foul and disgusting and people were in abject misery because nobody was spared. With frog legs for days. <laughs> and on that note, friends, thank you so much for joining with us on this journey through the message. It has been a journey today and another action-packed day in the bible i mean it just doesn't stop i get so excited i'm actually <laughs> like oh that's right i was like skimming through some things we had just read there's something i want to check on so so if you have any questions comments or anything like that we always love engaging with people that listen and yes, it's, we do. it fills our heart when we're able to just have some conversation back and forth and and just pour some love into some people so Thanks for being here on this journey today, and we will see you next time for the next episode. We'll see you then.